report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Tom, and joining me today are my friends and co-host, Stephen and William. Today we're going to be discussing Star Wars A New Dawn, a novel that came out a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and we're finally getting around to discussing it. But before we get into that, we have a couple announcements, and I think, Stephen, these are ones you are very excited to talk about. I I really was, which is why we did this whole little swappy thing. I know, Uh, wasn't that cool? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should do this more often. Anyway, uh, so the website Good Old Games, or GOG, G-O-G dot com, has been re-releasing a bunch of classic LucasArts games. And by classic, I mean, you know, I don't want to say super old. Not Tom old, but like... It's all right. right. Uh, But a lot of really big classic releases, some of which have not been available in any sort of modern format. You know, these are games that ran on like DOS or like Windows 95, and they were really hard to get running on any sort of modern PC. Uh, But the kind of new, the big important ones are X-Wing, TIE Fighter, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, X-Wing Alliance, which I played a lot back in the day, Galactic Battlegrounds, the original Rogue Squadron, and Star Wars Rebellion. And then in non-Star Wars news, we also got uh, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis as well, which was a popular game back in the day. Uh, But they're all available on GOG.com. If you ever played any of these games or like me and really want to play them because you missed out back in the day, uh, you should go check it out. See, I'd like to do that, but right now it's not available for Mac, so keep that in mind. And what didn't they also release another uh, Lucas title? Didn't they release a Sam and Max as well? Yeah, so there there have been a couple of others I'm not as familiar with. Sam and Max is was released. Um, I want to say they've had a couple of games that have been available on Steam or other yeah. systems like Tales from a Monkey Island and uh, like Knights of the Republic, Dark Forces, those sorts of games. Mm-hmm. But lots of really good games that. You should definitely check out if you're a Star Wars gamer. I'd like yeah. to play X-Wing again because I remember playing X-Wing back in the day before I had a Macintosh. I was playing games like that, and I think I had TIE Fighter at one point, but mm-hmm. I don't think I got far in that. But it would be great to try and play those again. Yeah, those games are so much fun. And um, if The only problem I wish is just I wish I had more time to play, go back and replay them all because I, I would love to. So many classics in there. But uh, let's get to the episode rundown. We're going to be reviewing A New Dawn. It was uh, written by John Jackson Miller and is about 367 pages long if you only look at the the story, the actual content, rather than uh, the extra you know fluff like um, previews or upcoming novels and that kind of stuff in there. Um, I know what you're all thinking. Yes, this book came out in September. Yes, we're late. Yes, we're only reviewing it now. <laughs> Uh, my original review is up on you cantina that was published in a timely fashion um unfortunately we with like you know rebels coming out uh, we just didn't have the time you know with new weeks new episodes being released almost every week um to record our review so now we're finally getting around to it um this book ties into star wars rebels and introduces kanan and and hera and uh kind of how they meet um, and it kind of sets up the series in, in, in some ways. So it's kind of adds another, adds more depth to the series, which is, which is nice. Um, so diving into the synopsis real quick before we start just reviewing it. And this is, this is, this will be a different format, um, than usual. Uh, you know, it, rather than talking about each plot point step by step, we're kind of go, kind of go more, um, group it a little bit more, talk, mm sometimes more at a high level sometimes delving into the details kind of depends um part of that is it's been a little while since we've read them uh, although we did go back and refresh our memories um part of that is just that you know this being a novel um it's much 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 longer than a 22 minute episode and therefore you know we we can't talk discuss about every single detail so uh the synopsis uh Ever since the Jedi were marked for death and forced to flee Coruscant, Kanan Jarrus has devoted himself to staying alive rather than serving the Force. Wandering the galaxy alone from one anonymous job to another, he avoids trouble, especially with the Empire, at all costs. 
So when he discovers a deadly conflict brewing between the ruthless imperial forces and desperate revolutionaries, he's not about to get caught in the crossfire. Then the brutal death of a friend at the Empire's hands forces the ex-Jedi to make a choice, bow down to fear, or stand up and fight. But Jairus won't be fighting alone. Unlikely allies, including a bomb-throwing radical, a former Imperial surveillance agent, a vengeful security officer, and the mysterious Hera Sandula, an agent provocateur, provocateur with motives of her own, team up with Jairus to challenge the Empire. As a crisis of apocalyptic proportions unfolds on the planet Gorse, they must stand together against one of the Empire's most fearsome enforcers for the sake of the world and its people. Okay, can I say something? The way you read that, I would really would have loved to have read that book. Because I think what we got was a little slow. Because, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I, 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 you know what? I love the concept. I understand this is an introduction into the new canon universe, and it's the first book of this. But I, I do miss, and I have been reading this on the web a lot. But at least in this, we know that it's six years before Rebels, supposedly eleven years before her New Hope, and eight years before Return of the yeah Return of the Sith. So. Other things that have been following along in canon, I've been reading, a lot of people have no idea where it's going to be placed in the timeline. One thing about this book I do miss with the old Legend universe, you got a timeline showing where everything is placed. We know this starts at the beginning, but... That is is true, Tom. Yeah, this is the first Star Wars book we've had in years, years. really, that didn't have a timeline at the beginning. Yeah, and Um, and I, I think that makes it i mean you you know what's coming later i i would say this to to, to say as a fan we know the books that are going to be coming later i understand this is the first book but give us a timeline showing okay we know that tarkin's coming out at this point you know i know heir to the empire is way way down the few you know down the the timeline but at least heir to the jedi heir to the jedi sorry um but at least give some kind of this is where it's taking place in a timeline Sure. Well, I mean, so we know yeah, we do get some of that. We yeah. know when the book take this book takes place, and it right. doesn't really make sense to contextualize it with all the other books because at this point in time, there's it, there are no other books. It's a timeline of one. Well, I mean, I guess you can say there's a timeline of seven or eight if you include uh, the movies and the Clone Wars, and but, especially because this was only a book that it had n- almost no context outside of Rebels. Right. To be there's to be honest, li- like. Yeah, there's very little to the, and that happens in the book that really matters to anything else. It's, I mean, I'd argue it's barely even relevant to Rebels. But that and I it, agree with. And I do think, like, it, in some ways, like, putting in a on a timeline might almost box them in too much until they have to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives them a little more flexibility to move stuff around. But we do know when it's set. It's six, six years before Rebels. Um, so we don't get... Most of the characters in Rebels do not make an appearance here. Right. Um... And still, you know, quite some time before A New Hope. It's only eight years after Revenge of the Sith. And we we find out at the beginning um, that uh, that Kanan was uh, a Jedi, which which we knew. Um, but his name was Caleb Dune growing up. And uh, the beginning of the book starts off with um, the basically the scene where uh, Obi-Wan a... is trying to warn away all the Jedi from the end of Kenobi. Or, no, I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry. He's No, at the end of Kenobi, um, Obi-Wan is is thinking, uh, and he, he says this this line. I don't know, Tom, if, if you have that in front of you. I've got it right in front of me. Um, but the, the very last line of Kenobi is the very first line of Rebels. Of A New Dawn, you mean? I'm sorry, of A New Dawn. Wow. Okay, hang on. Yeah, Clearly, I'm uh, I'm misspeaking a bit. Um, but okay. well, yeah, Tom, do, can you read that real quick? Yeah, for what I have here, the first line in the book, it says years earlier, and it says it basically says it's time for you to go home. Obi Wan said. The Jedi Master looked at the blinking lights on the panel on his right, and then the students watching him. Oh, uh, that's basically he is at. He's talking to the students at this point where it says years earlier. So what you're picking up with is at the ignition sand, ignition, where it says phase one ignition, 
See that? Eh. Now I'm I'm trying to I'm looking at this just going okay. It's like time to go home. The Jedi Master looked at the blinking lights on the panel to his right, and then at the students watching him. The aisle between the towering computer banks and the central security station was designed for a few Jedi doing maintenance, not a crowd. But the younglings fit right in, afraid to jostle one another. And then yeah. what's the okay? So basically, what this is, it's starting out with Obi Wan explaining to the Padawans, or you know, yeah, the the little the little Padawans, that if it's basically he's showing them the emergency the, the emergency call center. Okay. Yeah, he's showing them the emergency beacon. And in a nice bit of right. foreshadowing, we get uh, young Jedi Caleb asking, well, you know, what if we're not supposed to mm -hmm. go home? What if something else happens? Right. And Obi-Wan being like, hmm, no, that's not gonna, ever going to happen. The Jedi are going to be around forever, which, right. of course, is uh, not quite Clearly. how it ended up happening. Yeah. Right. Uh, but you do get a couple, a few scenes with, with young Caleb Dune as, as a Padawan. Mm -hmm. uh, and you actually get, you know, quite a bit of, of Kanan's backstory in some ways. I mean, not, not a, not a ton more of it will be, I'm sure, uh, covered in the Kanan comic that's coming out soon. Um, but you, you at least get a little bit more context, uh, around him and, you know, um, kind of what his life was like as a Jedi and also how he, he feels now, mm -hmm. you know, how he doesn't always feel qualified. And in this book, he's, a he's a very interesting, character in many ways he, he he's a jedi but he's kind of given up you know and and he knows he can't really use the force for fear of being discovered and um he's really better than everyone else um and so he kind of because he knows he's so good he doesn't really have to put as much effort into things he kind of just goofs off and you know just drinks a lot and parties and fights and and just wastes time it's it's a very different Kanan than we see in the show. This is yes. the right. Kanan who's lost everything and has really lost his purpose in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is, even, once, even in Rebels, he's not always the most focused of the crew, but he, he at least feels like he's not lost. He has a purpose, at well, least in Rebels, where here, yeah, he's completely, completely lost. But he still has a good heart, right? Mm -hmm. You know, he, he's got, he's, he, he tries to help people when he can yeah. here and, and there. And and he's trying to stay under the radar. I think that's one of the reasons why he's acting the way he is. Because if he, if he starts doing anything that's quote unquote Jedi like, then somebody's going to spot him. Like Zaluna later, when we get introduced to the, get introduced to her, and she's the watcher over the planet that he's on. She kind of knows things, and she, since she watches over everybody, she, I think at one point she kind of pegs him, for something. It's like you're always doing. It's almost like you're always doing something good. Why are you trying to act the way you are? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got this weird uh, sort of roaming personality at this point where he's, he's expressly trying not to use the Force, not right. to be a Jedi, not to act like a Jedi. But every so often he gets into a situation where he just can't help himself. He helps someone. He uses the Force for good. And that's when he you know moves along, leaves everyone he knew on that wherever he is at that time and goes somewhere else. And it it's almost I want to say almost frustrating to to see him this way cuz he's so different in the show. Mm -hmm. But it's, but it, it's also kind of interesting as as well just to see him, you know, how he just can't help but still be a good guy at heart when right. when it really comes down to it, you know. It's almost like he can't get he cannot get away from his training. Yes. Because it's inbred. Because it. Because here's the other thing that that I want to bring up. That you go back to, and this kind of points to how Kanan is. Because this is the one thing I kind of missed. It's like, you know, there is a question of. He puts his hand up and it's like Obi Wan says, "What is it, Caleb?" And he goes, "That beacon can it send any message?" He's the one that basically said, "Can you send a message to send people away?" And Obi-Wan's like, I'm sorry. And he goes, can you send people away with that? I mean, it can recall every Jedi at once, but could it warn all of them away? So in a way, you kind can say just by that. Idea. Yeah, it's in a way that that gave Obi-Wan the idea that he could use the beacon later to send people away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, at the beginning, um, Kanan has a very good friend who uh, gets killed by the empire through a series of, of events 
And he's, you know, as the synopsis said, basically, he's kind of forced to make a decision. He ends up um, running into Hera Sandula, um, who obviously we know from uh, from Rebels. Fairly major um, character. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and she ends up being one of the 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 other major character in this book. Um, what do you think about Hera in A New Dawn versus um, versus Kanan? I mean, Hera, by in contrast, seemed very much like her rebels self, uh, except she wasn't really talking about, you know, um, going up against the Empire. Really, she was kind of still keeping that under wraps uh, for most of the book. Um, she was just kind of trying to act like a like a, you know, a pilot and that sort of thing. I, but her personality was very similar, mm-hmm. unlike Kanan. It's it's kind of funny seeing it in the book because the entire like the entire time of the book, Kanan, who is this ladies' man, desperately trying to do anything he can just to get her attention, just to be like at all noticed, and it kind of drives him in a lot of ways throughout the book. Well, but the Hera whole reason on the he end. goes on, yeah, he 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 sticks with her for like the first half of the book is because of that. Yeah. yeah. And Kanan on, or sorry, Hera on the other hand, barely like barely even notices that he exists. She is there for her her mission to get this uh, data. I'm blanking on the name of her, what she called her uh, contact, or if she even had a name for them. But that's all she's there for. Everything else is extra. Mm-hmm. And the thing I was actually disappointed by, one of the things, uh, is that. Hera really gets no backstory. You know, oh, with absolutely. Kanan, we're getting flashbacks. Mm. We're getting yep. it in his head. We're, we're, you know, he's talking about how he feels now versus when he was a Jedi in the past. I, you know, thinking about what happened to all the other Jedi. Uh, are there any still out there? You know, whether he should use, should or should not use the Force. All of this kind of stuff. But Hera, like, we don't really get into her head. We don't get any of her backstory. And even on the show... You know, I feel like she hasn't really gotten a lot of, you know, screen time and, and development. Well, I think re- out of, I, I'll go. I, I think out of the characters on the show right now, she's the one that has not had the backstory. We've mm-hmm. at least heard some of the backstory when it comes to Sabine. We know Ezra's backstory. We got more backstory on um, Zab. You know, and the only other one that we really have no backstory on is uh, Chopper. Yeah. <laughs> But and choppers it, are droid. Yeah. Well, so the, the, what I found really interesting, though, is she doesn't get any backstory, and she has, she gets some development, but not a ton. Mm-hmm. She actually reminds me a lot of her character in Rebels. She always has a, a some greater plan for the purposes of, I'm going to say, rebellion in a generic sense. Mm-hmm. And we're left kind of wondering what what that is. So like I would assume that whatever she's doing in A New Dawn, you know, whatever network she's trying to put together is in fact the same network she's working with. Oh, in... un- undoubtedly. Oh yeah. But the, but how did how did Hera get at this point? That's the thing. That right. what is driving her to this point? This book, you know, A New Dawn. It's great to see Kanan. Love how he's going, but. You would think that they would take a little bit of a sidetrack and give that same kind of attention to detail to Hera as well to give us the drive of why she's doing this. And you know, maybe it's maybe it's maybe they've asked they maybe they asked John Jackson Miller not to go into detail on her because that that's going to be part of who knows like the season finale of Rebels or something where they're going to kind of give you more backstory on her. Well, but it is it, a little disappointing right now that like of all the characters, like she had such a big role in this book and yet. We really got to know nothing about her. Well, I would think the only other option, if they're not going to give us anything in Rebels, is somebody's probably plotting a book with her, but you would hope that book would have come out about the same time as this, mm-hmm. or you know, about now, instead of having the next book up is, uh, isn't it the Tarkin. Luke Skywalker book? Yeah, yeah, Eric yeah. the Jedi. Yeah, so you would <laughs> hope that that kind of backstory would come unless they're going to put it inside star Wars magazine. I mean, we have no idea if they're going to explore it at any point. No. Yep. Um, let's see, Tom, you brought up, um, the character Zaluna earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, she's a Celestin. I think of all the characters, she was 
probably one of my favorites. I'd agree with that. Uh, I really liked her. Her at least the beginning of her arc started out really strong. I was kind of disappointed where it went. Um, but she's she's basically you know one of the one of the top the top guys at this um, this like monitoring station where they're basically tracking everyone's movements. You know they're looking at security cameras and and kind of trying to find you know um, crimes before they happen. Very kind of, many many like um, real world connections in, in many ways. You know um, maybe a little too much real world in some respects. Maybe but. a little yeah, too much. Maybe. But I thought it was it was it was kind of cool that they had this in, you know, in in, in the book. And I think uh, if, if memory serves, she had like this office that was almost in this like like hanging above the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she'd walk in and they they kind of like track people. And so she knew like everyone by name in the city and what what they were doing because she had this great memory. And, um, you know, she was constantly tracking people. So she knew like everything about everyone in the city. And it was really this really cool concept, I thought. Um, and, and eventually she starts to figure out, you know, she starts seeing like strange activity with, you know, Kanan and, and, and Hera and others. And um, eventually she, she kind of starts to give them information, um, kind of leak them information and start helping them from the inside well, uh, as reason, part of this, you know, monitoring station that isn't officially associated with the Empire. I think it was more of a planetary station, but yeah, basically was, well, originally, originally, so, yeah, originally, it was yeah. kind of basically taken over by the Empire. But the the sad thing is about Zaluna is she is a great character, but she got pulled into it almost almost by accident because one of yeah. the people under her charge, I think his name was Hedo was the main person who was pulling information out of this monitoring station and he was the one that was going to give it to his quote unquote contact which happened to have been Hera. That's why Hera was on the planet. Uh, but yes. he ended up being found out and stormtroopers came in and pulled him out and just before he was pulled out he slipped that disc to Zaluna and Zaluna was like that was her turn- turning point in this book. It was a reluctant turning point. Mm-hmm. But she followed through with it, and I just thought that that whole story arc was so so cool. Yeah, and that was probably the, the thing that had me most interested in in a new dawn mm-hmm. uh, as I was reading. The, I, like whenever it was the Luna scenes, I wanted to keep reading, whereas the other ones, to be honest, I got kind of bored. Um, it took me a good month and a half to read the book, and I got I got it at Comic Con. Uh, yeah. And it took me a good month, month and a half to finish it, which is pretty abnormal for me typically, especially if I enjoy a book. I'll, I'll, I'll devour it in just you know a, a day or two. Um, however, I was a little disappointed with, with where it went. Uh, Steve, I don't know if you have anything you, you want to jump in before we kind of discuss no, kind I, of where I, they, they take the story. Continue by all means. Um, but she, she joins up with with Kanan and Hera and as soon as she joins up with them and like you know she gives them some information and she kind of ends up you know sticking with them for through a series of events mm-hmm. and her story really goes nowhere else that's that's it it's over it kind of just fizzles out um right. and they're like I, I don't know I was really disappointed she, I mean she, she couldn't go back to her old job um She's one of those characters where I'd love to see her show up in Rebels because I feel like it would give some some semblance of closure to her. Right. Agreed. Like, I just, so yeah. She, she's Agreed. that character who, you know, she went through all this trauma, realizing that this job she thought was good was really, you know, not. And she enjoyed. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah, that's the thing. She, she loved her job. Yeah, yeah, she loved her job. But I, what I want to see is her go back, like, use her abilities now but, you know, for the cause she's come to realize she should support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just felt like she had such she was such a a big in many ways character in the first half of the book and had such a cool story arc that just to see it kind of go nowhere and then you know, kinda once she joins in like this her scenes, like she didn't really do much. She just kinda right. hung out with the rest of the group. Well, well because she, she had nowhere to go. I mean that that yeah, was but, that was the thing you felt sorry no, for. She, it because... was also her character was very uh I don't want to say like afraid, but it was very cautious. What about me? And so she got, yeah, that's the perfect word. Yeah, she was very meek. Incredibly meek, and that just over gets overpowered by someone like Kanan, for example. Yep. 
Right. And so she ends up basically sitting around for the second half of the book or following Kanan everywhere. Yeah. Um, and really doesn't do much else. And so, I don't know. I was kind of disappointed by that because um, she had so much potential. Like, it would have been interesting just to see, like, have a, a short story about Zaluna doing her job on on the planet. Um, by the way, I don't think we ever mentioned the name of the planet. The planet's name is Gorse. And uh, so the, and the entire book is set on the planet, and it's, well, it's most, Moon Cinda. Yeah, most of it. Um, there are a couple of parts orbit, that take place. Orbit also. rounds it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but basically, like like Rebels, it's a it's a smaller setting, you know, just set on a on a single planet and some nearby space around it. But anyway, I would have loved to even see like a short story about Zaluna. Mm-hmm. Anyway, enough about her. But I was just kind of disappointed by. Here, do we want do we want to talk about the other character you yeah, were extremely I, disappointed by? Yeah, that's a I was going to uh, it's right out of my mouth. A certain bomb technician, perhaps. Oh boy, uh, um, Stephen, you want to give us the rundown yeah, on so Skelly? Skelly is one of the other uh, kind of big characters in the book. He probably he had some of the most interesting backstory. I thought mm. a Clone Wars veteran, not a but not an actual clone. Not a clone. Yeah. Um, an explosives expert who had his hand blown off uh, at one point during the war. He gets a crappy replacement, um, and now he's just kind of the mining de- demolitions expert with all sorts of crazy ideas. But more well, than that, he's like, he's trying to, he's constantly using his explosives and he's almost like a terrorist in many ways, just trying to mm-hmm. blow things up. Well, throughout to try to get his point across. Book, yes. Right. Like, but no, throughout- like he he comes up with this idea that the empire is going to destroy the moon. You know, not particularly surprising for those of us who you know watch Star Wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but. For him, it's you know this terrible idea, and so he's convinced what he needs to do is talk to the Count Vidian, who I'm sure we will discuss in a moment. Yeah, we'll discuss that in a moment. Uh, and can t- and if he can just tell him his ideas, everything will be, be be better. And of course, that is not at all the case for what happens. And he spends the entirety of the book refusing to accept that things are not how he thinks they are. Right. But but I. I... <laughs> I feel like you're almost giving him too much credit, Stephen. <laughs> uh, you, you did a very, you, you've been giving him way, making him sound like way nicer than he actually is. That's true. Because like part of his plan involves blowing up a mine to get his point across, to get just to get Vidian's attention, I think. And he's he's constantly like throwing explosives all over and just destroying parts of the city and um, all this stuff for. Just, just I think, attention. so he can get Vidian's attention? Yeah. I think. But it, it, he uh, was a character for me that it, it's like it's like the Energizer bunny. He just <laughs> going and going and going, especially toward the end. You know? Oh, and he got so beat up. Like, oh, yeah. this yeah. guy should have died oh. like a hundred times. Absolutely. And that's, um, it's like, this, you know, what, what was it? They were on like a speeder, right, at one point, yeah. and he... He somehow follow gets and gets like jumps on Kanan uh, on this on this vehicle with Kanan and Hera and and they're like I think he gets like run over and then he gets like thrown off and then shot and then limbs broken and then he's still like running around and then he falls from like a great height and almost dies in this mine and like and this is right before he takes out the bad guy. I just, yeah, and he's one of those characters that he's not just like trying to talk to someone. He's a little bit crazy, right? I'd in the say head, he's more than a little. I, bit. I, yeah, um, not just yeah, the way he does, but like the way he talks, the way he acts. Mm. Um, probably blowing up a mind to get up the attention of you know the emperor's right. Uh, you know, one of his you know closest advisors. Probably not the best solution. Um, kind of ind- indicative of his state of mind. Um, but he's just one of these characters. I, just, I, I hate, almost hate to admit it, but he was so annoying. After a while, I just got to the point where I'm like, oh my gosh, another scene with Scully. Seriously? Yeah, it's like, again. I just, again, just go away already. And he was one of those characters, like, he, you know, they get rid of him, he'd get run over or something. Like, okay, he's gone. You know, we're so done. What you're saying is John Thank Jackson Miller goodness. just teased you the entire book, and somehow he comes back like ten yeah. minutes later, and he's back and like, you just died, or you should be dead, or 
why are they even letting you go with them? Like, right. I have no idea how Kanan put up with him for so long. It's like, oh, he's he's one of those characters like like a cartoon where every time he dies, you think he's dead, he just pops back up again. Mm. And ah, not okay. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) well, well, we can we can also talk about another character after that since since we've all. I mean, there's nothing really more to talk about Skelly. I mean, I'm sure if you just put in wing. Yeah, I mean, you you kind of. If you feel any different, please drop us a line. We'd well, love to okay. hear. Okay, before we move on, different. Stephen, I will say one more thing. But yeah. I felt like I could I could understand it if it, it made sense for, in terms of the plot. But I thought it, a lot of times it was just too coincidental that the way in which he kept bumping into Kanan and Hera. No, it was I, almost like I, he was he some some of it was intentional. He was trying to follow them, or other times though he just like randomly bump into them. They turn a corner and like, hey, there's Scully again. Let's blow up something right. else. You don't need to tell me. I, I I tend to agree with you that he was not the most interesting of characters. I don't think I hated him as much, but I never was happy to see him. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, there are some characters you want that to be the case. but Yeah, right. but a lot of times you want it to be like so bad or so crazy that you love to watch, to watch or read them. Not so bad or so crazy that you just can't stand reading a word with them. I, I agree. So anyway, enough enough about Skelly. Yeah, but then we get on to another character that was kind of unforgettable, or mostly unforgettable, or forgettable. Yeah. What? Yeah, let's say forgettable. <laughs> um, Captain Ray Sloan of the Star Destroyer Ultimatum. I mean, the only way, the only thing I saw her, and the only reason why I see her being in this book, is because she was taking Count Vidian wherever he needed to go, and then at a certain point. There is a Baron Danth that comes into the book that I won't say that she was Baron Danth's uh, inside man to a certain extent when it came to Count Vidian, but she probably fed him some kind of information. I mean, I what was the point of Captain Ray Sloan being in the book? So here's like it's there's an interesting dynamic here. So we probably have to just talk about all at once yeah, yeah I, think I, so. I mean what it is, is this yeah. is this is the kind of a political intrigue element talking about how not i don't want to say how corrupt the empire is but how it's everyone for themselves and how the empire gets things done which mm-hmm. is to say that everyone kind of fights amongst themselves and there's all this maneuvering and that sort of thing my problem with it was that I'll, none of it felt very interesting like the whole so baron what we have is count vidian who we'll talk about in more detail Mm-hmm. who is on Sloan's ship, Sloan being a temporary captain who's clearly that's, ambitious. That's right. She was temporary because the original captain was transferred somewhere else. That's right. I forgot about that. And yeah, so there's this kind of dynamic where Vidian is using Sloan to get navigated around, Sloan trying to figure out how she can make her post permanent, and Baron Danth is a competitor of Vidian's, who is trying, and they're kind of fighting amongst themselves, trying to make each other look bad in front of the Empire. And the, uh, Danth ends up trying to use Sloan to manipulate Vidian and like make him look worse. Mm-hmm. And you know, as I'm thinking about this, I'm realizing this was the same problem I had with uh, Knight Errant, which I actually generally enjoyed, um, which is, I want to say, the first full book that uh, John Jackson Miller did. That's correct, yeah. Um, and it was just that when he, the political intrigue felt very, I almost want to word, use the word cartoony or kind of cheesy. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel deep to me. Like it really amounted book-y. to, yeah, Dan's like, oh, uh, Palpatine, uh, Vidian said he's going to have like 10,000 pounds of rock for you tomorrow. And Vidian's like, I can't do that. What am I going to do? Oh, we'll make it work. We'll blow up the planet. And just like, okay, can we, like, it was, it was so not subtle. Mm. Like they were backstabbing each other with broadswords. Yeah, so so, as as, as Steven said, like the the planet is known for its thoralite mines, um, which is a resource that apparently is more plentiful on this planet than than in most other places in the galaxy. And so um, they basically are trying to figure out how to increase production and and, and, um, Baron Danth, or Danthy, how you pronounce it, is, is basically telling the Emperor, hey, I can double production if you put me in charge. Right. And Count Vidian, on the other hand, is this 
you know, very cruel, very efficient. Uh, he prides himself on efficiency. Um, a character who, you know, is trying to, you know, trying to prevent Danthe from one-upping him, essentially. But and so they get into this, into this debate at, where, as Steven said, they're trying to one-up each other and, and try to outmaneuver each other. And to be honest, the the full details I I, I forget at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, uh, Vidian, um, Vidian realizes that if he gets Danthe to actually take control of the mine, and then he convinces Danthe to blow up the planet, um, so that they can't because of a. Um, Apparently, a, a scientific report said that blowing up the planet would produce would allow you to get to the Thorlide faster. And yes, you know, you might run out. Eventually, in the meantime, you'd increase production for in the short term, mm-hmm. and it would be great all around, and and that sort of thing. And so, you know, he eventually he, he tries to convince Danthe through you know third parties to and try to basically blow up the planet. Now, wasn't there wasn't there something that was a catch to that because if the planet was blown up whatever they're trying to mine it would run wasn't out faster. there something about yeah, it would run out faster if the planet was blown up and this came from a quote unquote independent consultant named and I'm going to butcher this name, the Mule Theresa. It's like this independent consultant that Count Vidian knew all this information. But that was the information he was leaving out from Baron Danth because of the whole setup thing. I mean, exactly. it's one of those – yeah, it's like you needed a scorecard to keep track <laughs> of who was trying to do what to the other one. Yeah, and and the goal was that you know, he'd also realized I think when he blew up the planet that I think he would also destroy the mines and that yep. he actually wouldn't have anything at all. I think he'd destroy you know? the planet, period. Well, planet, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, destroying the planet gone. would actually get rid of all the Thorlide, period, or most right. of it, and make it worthless. Not just, you know, increase production in the short term and mm-hmm. decrease it, you know, or run out faster. Yeah, but at the same uh, which, time, which, which, wasn't... With, with Danthe would have been, might have been okay with. Um, right, so he tries the... to hide these critical details from him. Right. But at the same time, I think even when they... I think the other reason why Skelly and maybe the other reason why Kanan was involved is if the planet were to be destroyed, then all the people on the planet basically are either displaced or dead because the Empire didn't care. Right. And that, that's, that's part of the care. book, right? They, they, yeah. They're, they're, at one point, they're trying to save all of the characters, all, all the yep. all the miners because the Empire really, really didn't give them any time. They're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to blow up the planet in an hour. Have fun. The thing is, I'm pr- like, I don't think that's an exact line in the book. It's probably pretty close. It probably yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember being like, whoa, that just happened. Yep. Um, you know, and, and so they're basically trying to get everyone off planet in time. Uh, actually, kind of, re- for some reason, kind of reminds me of like, um, you know, Cern Padal's going to, you know, the moon's going to hit Cern Padal, trying to get everybody off planet in time type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, back in, was it Vector Prime? Yep. Um, but anyway, there was this whole political intrigue scheming going on between Danthe, um, you know, and Vidian and kind of Captain Ray Sloan was caught in the middle. Ultimately, I mean, Sloan had some interesting perspectives and, and, and that sort of thing on what was going on, but she really didn't do a whole lot. Nope. I felt like kind of like Zaluna in the last half of the book, she was just there to be there. You know, and provide like a set of eyes to look at the situation through. It's kind of funny because her best plot development happens in the beginning of the book, which is also, mm-hmm. I think, the at least for me, was the hardest part of the book by far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a lot of trouble getting through the first half of the book because it just felt like it was going nowhere. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and the second half was, I, I mean, I don't want to say like I had not to spoil it. Like I didn't like love the second half, but it felt like it was at least readable. It was more mm-hmm. readable for me, but that's also the part where all these plot threads kind of just get dropped. Just right. really unfortunate. Right. Now, I have a question when it comes to Count Vidian. Count Vidian, I think was this he was a human character, started out human, but he ended up cybernetically replacing parts of his Was he the first time we've ever been within the Star Wars universe 
uh, introduced to like the cy- uh, a theory of a cyborg. Oh no, because... General Grievous. Okay, yeah, yeah, thank you, yeah, thank Grievous, you, and many, 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 many others. Okay, I okay, I take that back. I guess in in this case, I was looking at because it seemed like when it came to it, when it came to Vidian, he wasn't as cy- cybernetic as um, Grievous. But it, is, it seemed like for me, but it, he was more, he still kind of looked more human, mm-hmm. but a, in a freakish way is how I was looking at yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he felt very much like a typical John Jackson Miller villain mm-hmm. to me. Uh, if you if you've read his books, you probably know what I mean by that. Like, yeah, I, he's like, I, like I've he, only read his Star Wars book, so if it comes to anything else, well, I, I, I've only read his Star Wars books too. But, yeah. um, but essentially, like this extremely evil, cruelly, you know, efficient, um, like the absolute best at his job, right? He knows how to increase production and make people more efficient, and he's like mm. seemingly invincible and well known. kind of robotic. Sorry, sorry. I was going to say, well-known, but this is the first time you've heard of him. Right. Yes, exactly. Right. There you go. Right. And I felt like there was a lot of that, especially in the um, uh, like the Night Errant comic series uh, where you had ran- these random Sith popping up all the time. And I felt like each of those guys were very similar. Um, and so from that standpoint, while there were aspects of video I liked, it also felt like just another carbon copy john jackson miller character with like you know the you know the details swapped out mm-hmm. uh, but still you're, you're right he was like he was upgrading himself he was supposed to be one of the emperor emperor's key advisors um i was gonna say like so how many key advisors does the emperor have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah. a good question and does he need all of those and if he's really a key advisor i mean like danthe was seemed to be you know Kind of having the emperor's ear in some ways too. So okay, but okay. Here, here's something that got asked this question. You would think that the emperor, if he had Count Vidian as his key advisor, and this is the emperor now, would know that in reality, Count Vidian was not who he seemed to be, uh-huh. because we did come up with the name as the independent consultant and former scientist who died years back. In the end, this Count Vidian was this Lemuel. There, th- again, I butchered it. Lemuel Tharsa, Thar- probably. Yeah, Lemuel, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, you would think the Emperor would have known that. Yeah, and so that was actually well, fascinating, Stephen. When you go ahead, I was gonna say, I'm, I'm like, it was interesting to like kind of. That was the big mystery. The book was trying to understand who this character was. Uh huh. That being said, I never really felt like there was a big reason that it had to be secret. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Vidian lied about his past, but so what? Like, who cares? Yeah. Okay, so l- let's 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 go over this real quick. Um, you know why he he lied about his past, right? He was um, just just to refresh everybody's memories, uh, including my own. Uh, Lemuel Tharsa was a scientist uh, on he, uh, Cinda. On Cinda, and he discovered all this information. I think about the planet, right? Um, that they're using to like try to blow it up. He he discovered about how to, I think it was increase the production on the on the planet, and then I think he ended up was he in an accident or did he get sick? Um, uh, but he I remember he was like in a hospital bed and then he ends up like faking his death. Yeah, from the hospital bed, you know he he well what is he contracts the disease? That's right. Yeah, that is slowly That's killing right. him. Yes. And from his bed, he has this moment of clarity and essentially decides to reinvent himself by watching the HoloNet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not, That's he what it watches was. the HoloNet, and this is where he begins to learn all of his skills and manipulation and things like that. Yeah. And so he becomes this ultimate, you know, brilliant guy by just watching the HoloNet and like figuring out, you know, finances uh, and mining and all of this kind of well, stuff like and then fairness, just starts he like was, he was implied as being fairly smart beforehand sure. as well it's not oh, like he yes. suddenly got smarter yeah yeah, yeah. but and it, so he's he able to use this knowledge ascent. to like kind of rise through the ranks and eventually he got to the emperor's side effectively you know want to be one of his closest advisors mm-hmm. um but he kept the uh, you know the lemuel tharsa identity he basically uh, faked the the death of Lemuel Tharsa. Uh, I'm not sure why he didn't want to be associated with him anymore. Um, I forget. 
Like he says in the book that he wants to forget his past. Mm-hmm. Like you know, right? He, but it was like a t- he, it was a highly, highly secret thing. Yeah, no, like. So he wants to not be associated with his past because he doesn't like remembering himself as powerless, etc. But that doesn't really explain why he goes to such extremes. Or, like, there's a difference. It's like, guys, I I don't want to be Steven anymore. Uh, Like, I'm going to murder everyone who ever knew me and, like, destroy my identity, fake my death, invent a new name, and move to a totally new country. Like, there are other ways to reinvent yourself that aren't maybe quite as extreme. Well, and and then you would use your old identity to keep, you know, um, signing off on reports. Right. Which is the other thing here. He, uh... Lemuel Tharsa is dead according to all the records on the planet, but you know, um, Vidian is still using Lemuel Tharsa as his independent consultant, even to this day, and he's putting his name down on reports that are being sent to the Emperor and saying, oh yeah, Lemuel Tharsa said blah 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 blah, so clearly this third party has approved or, you know, has you know looked over these things and agrees. But- but that gets back to you would think the emperor would know that this guy is not around. That if you know, it's like you know, Palpatine. Please do your research. You're supposed to well, be all powerful Sith. They don't do background is, checks apparently. Guess not. Is, does Palpatine care? No, he probably doesn't. Well, like, no. Whatever. He's, like he. As long as I he's efficient, as long as he gets, you know, he, they get the the Thorlide for building their their warships. Right. I don't care. Well, you can also look at it this way. Maybe he didn't care because he did want um, he did want Baron Denath to get rid of Vidian at some point. I mean, at least this is a way to let the two of them fight it out. And somebody that I don't trust, even though he's my right hand guy, that I don't trust, let this other guy knock it off for me, and I don't need to do the work. Denath is going to do it. You know, this guy's lying. He's a cheat. I know I've got him dead to rights. I could pull that name out one day saying, okay, I figured you out. But while these two guys are going at it, let me just watch what happens. And if, if my problem goes away, it goes away. And I don't have well, to that's deal actually, with it. You know, that's actually a really interesting point. Maybe Palpatine does know. And that's the sort of information like you hold on to. Like, oh, you know, Vidian's become too powerful. I need, yep. to, I need to get rid of him. Well, it just so happens I have an ace in the hole. That's right. And it's a very typical Sith move to pit you know, two, um, two guys against each other mm-hmm. and let them see whoever's the strong, you know, and let the strongest one win and, and kind of play with them, mm-hmm. take, you know, use them. So, um, so yeah, there, I mean, there were, there were a number of, you know, there was a couple of scenes, like we said, they, they try to blow up the planet. They end up, um, saving the planet just in time. Um, there, were, there was one scene where, uh, Vidian throws this, this minor uh, lol, I think her name was. Uh, the, it's the miner's wife. Yeah. The specific processing facility. He was trying to convince her that she could do the work more efficiently. And I forgot the total details, but I think she didn't like what he said. And Vidian was just threw her in, which just threw her right I into cannot, a vat. Yeah, right into a vat. And, and the thing that I'm trying to remember is lol's husband, which. I also isn't he the same species as, uh, uh, yeah, 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 Dexter. Dexter, that's right. Dexter, Dexter. Spe- right? Because at one uh, point, uh, this does come out with like a whole mess of guns. Yeah. Right. Uh, Vidian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then he gets he gets gunned down too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And actually, there were there were surprising a number of deaths in the book, uh, between you know, um. Kanan's old friend, all the all the miners, the both Lal and her husband, um, and then of course, um, you know, I was I was hoping a certain um, vet well, and explosives did, expert would have taken the, yeah, you know, uh, but he did. I mean, finally in the end, that whole thing was mopped up. You know, he ended up finally going the way whichever he went. I can't remember offhand, but yeah, he was finally gone. <laughs> yeah. It, I don't know. It, there were some interesting aspects to the book for sure, but I was, I don't know. It was, yeah. I, I, I felt like by the time he got to the second half, which was more interesting, I'd already lost yes. most of my interest in the book. Yep. You know, and I, I didn't have all the details. It was, 
I feel like this got you know? the worst of both worlds in that a, lo- a lot of the books we've had in the last couple of years for the EU before the, you know, the big wipe kind of had this idea, had uh, a smaller scale. We stopped having these galactic spanning conflicts and started having slightly more focused books that were centered on a couple of planets or a particular idea or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so A New Dawn very much follows in that, in that feeling. And when you have a smaller book, a, a smaller area, it's, it's a lot more, it doesn't quite get that as epic feel that Star Wars has. Mm-hmm. But Star Wars, like, past books bring that in with, you know, this rich expanded universe content and pieces like that that make it feel really alive. And I feel like A New Dawn also gets the worst of the fact that it's the first book out and that it doesn't quite get to use quite as much of that. And especially because it serves as a prequel for Rebels, it can't spoil Rebels or do too much. Mm -hmm. And I, I, like, it takes a while to get going and to make it feel like something cool is actually happening. I I do have to... It was slow. I do have to say one thing about this book that I really did appreciate. The one thing it did not spoil was Kanan pulling his lightsaber. I think there was at one point in the book mm-hmm. where he thought of pulling his lightsaber out, but didn't. Yeah. Because that's when you got to a point to where you knew that he is really waiting for the right time to use the lightsaber. That's a good point. And, he, yeah. he never does use his lightsaber, and he uses the force sparingly when he uses yeah. it he knows like there's gonna be repercussions yep. for doing so and I, that's actually the the other element of the book that i enjoyed the most was kind of getting in canaan's head and feeling you know seeing where he is and uh how he reacts to you know using a lightsaber in the forest in different situations and why he does or does not do certain things i think that was probably the coolest element of the book Yeah. So should we uh, get into our ratings, guys? Yep. Works for me. Yep. Okay. I'm ready. Um, well, I will go first if you want. Um, uh, go for it. You've already reviewed it after all. So. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> and uh, actually looking at my review on EU Cantina, um, it actually seems higher than I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to rate uh-huh. it now. Um, not not too higher, too much higher, but still. Um I, I think I'm gonna get give this uh, this book three. I'm sorry. Um, I'm looking at the EU Cantina scale. Um, six uh, out of ten. Uh, was it a bad book? No. I, there were certainly redeeming qualities. I liked, like I said, I liked Kanan. Um, I liked uh, how we got into his head. We got his backstory. We got, as you said, the lightsaber. I liked, you know, the first half of the book was Zaluna. Um, you know, there was a lot of interesting stuff, kind of getting to see how Kanan and and Hera meet. Um, all that stuff was, was really cool. What we didn't really get was, um, you know, any backstory of, of Hera and some of the, the, the plotting was a little bit convoluted and well, Skelly, just gonna put that out there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, six Womp Rats, and um, you know what? I'm just gonna drop all six Womp Rats in the in the vat in the mining in the um, Thorlide processing facility. Oh yeah, we gotta come up with mm-hmm. ratings. Ooh, yeah. Uh, you know what? I'll go next. Um, I thought the book was slow. I did finish it. I did like Saluna as a character. As I said, the, the one thing I really did like is I really loved how they showed Kanan really think out when he was going to use his lightsaber. And I do appreciate it not being used in this book, even though it's on the cover where he's holding the lightsaber. He never pulled it out to use it in the book. I just think the I think Skelly for me killed this book. I think the political intrigue toward the end or whatever intrigue between Danath and Vidian kind of killed it for me. I've got to give this book... I, I, I was struggling with a 5. I went 5.0, 5.5. I'm going to give it a 5.75. 5. I, I can't... I know it's a setup book. I know they're starting at this point and everything's going to branch out from this point. I can't go lower than 5 because of how what the book means, but I can't say this book knocked my socks off 
and they literally launched a great universe from this point. I am going to take my 5.75 Womp Rats, and I'm going to sk- stick them with Scully, and we'll just go from there. Oh, that's the cruelest thing you could have ever done. <laughs> well, but but notice notice I didn't throw them in a vat like you did. That was kind compared to sticking them with Scully. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Steven, you're last. Ooh, so... Yeah, so I think you guys have covered it a lot. The, the first half of the book is glacial. It had pieces that wanted I was trying to get interested in, and I just I couldn't, which is unfortunate. Um, the second half of the book actually went a lot better. Uh, once we started moving off planet a little bit, and we kind of got this race to stop Vidian from destroying the planet or find out what his plan is, I found that actually a lot better, and it, it got me through the last half of the book much easier. It wasn't as painful to like act. I didn't have to sit down and force myself to read it. Um, overall, like it wasn't great. I feel like it could have been better, but it wasn't. It wasn't terrible either. Like I've I've certainly read worse. Um, so I think I'm gonna have to give this a five point five Womp Rats. And in the spirit of a new dawn, I will say that these are five and a half Womp Rats that are still alive to this day. Because they make their home on the moon, and it is no, it it was never destroyed. They're still there, five womp rats and and a half that got blown up by Skelly. Well, no, oh. half half oh. that womp rat got half that womp rat was in the vat that Lull was thrown into, but somebody pulled the tail out that way. There's half of it still. Wait, so you're saying someone threw a womp rat in with my six? <laughs> well, maybe it was a different vat. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Uh, okay. Well, coming up on Ion Cannon, we have uh, actually the same episode we told you last time. Uh, Rebels <laughs> Season 1, Episode 10, Vision of Hope. It's uh, going to be premiering on Disney XD today, Ooh, actually, yes. as you're yes. listening to this. Or it's already out now, again, depending on, on when this is. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, but yeah, we're releasing it uh, the same day it's on Disney XD. Uh, so it'll be airing next week uh, on TV. Look for our review as soon as the episode goes live. Uh, we're going to be... And I uh, hope I have a voice. Yeah, yeah. Cause, <laughs> I hope uh, I have a voice. Because for those of you who uh, do not follow sports, it's the uh, Super Bowl uh, next weekend. So we're going to be recording. And, and that's a big event where a bunch of... Like, is that an eating competition? Like a pho Super Bowl or something? And uh, I believe like, it's an well, event no. where a bunch of people eat and watch commercials. Is yes, that right, Tom? Or, or it's a bunch of puppies that are running around a football field that are drinking out of water bowls that have little cameras looking up and maybe every once in a while eating out of a food bowl. No, it's a football mm-hmm. game. So, Oh, okay. So it's, it's a, that's... It's a football you game. kick the ball around into it's the, the goal, sports right? ball game. No, 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 football. Uh, football. Yeah, so American you kick football. the ball and you kick it around. You've got like five like forwards and a goalie and stuff like that, right? Dude, that's the wrong one, man. <laughs> this, this is the one that happens to have uh, footballs that are not put up to the proper PSI. That's oh, of course. Yeah, it's Anyway. So, so come back next week for, for that. Um, actually, if you are uh, a a Comcast Xfinity subscriber, you can actually watch the episode on demand on your TV right now. Um, nice. But again, as you're listening to this, it's already on Disney XD anyway, so no big deal. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for our review of Vision of Hope coming next week. Tom, Steven, thanks again as always. Absolutely, Thank anytime. Don't, don't forget to review us on your favorite podcast feed. Uh, connect with us on Facebook and also listen to the end credits because you'll hear our uh, email address. We would love to hear from you guys. Celebrations coming up. We want to meet some of you folks out there too. And we will uh, talk to you guys next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spinoff films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncanoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in contact with us by emailing contact at ioncanoncast.com. 
The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production of fans, by fans, and is copyright 2015.